This is Voice to Culture, a podcast for the modern-day confused citizen. So, hi everyone, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carolyn. Um, and on today's episode, we have a long-awaited guest here with us. She is a lead product manager at TikTok currently, and has worked with other tech companies such as Facebook and Google in the past. As a graduate of Columbia University and Pittsburgh College, she seeks to, quote, make the digital world a fun and safe place to discover experiences, express yourself, and make meaningful connections with others. In her free time, she likes to make YouTube videos about career life, Taiwanese culture, and more. Everyone, please welcome Chloe Shi. Yay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. To kick off this interview, let's first talk about you and your occupation. So you work at TikTok. I think that's super, super cool. Um, can you please expand on the work culture there and maybe share a bit about um, what led you to decide to work at TikTok and how would you describe the impact of your work has had on pe- the people so far? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so just to clarify, probably by the time this episode is out, I will no longer be at TikTok, but I had been there and been part of a huge part out of the product team within Trust and Safety um, and then just some background on myself. I also w- did come from Facebook and a live streaming startup and then Google and then like worked at a plethora of tech companies before that. So I'm pretty familiar with like various cultures within the tech space. Uh, the question of what is work culture like at TikTok? Um, <laughs> this is a tough one because I think that a lot of people who use TikTok think it's like a really trendy, fun, young place. And it's really hip. And yes, it, it is all of that. But it's also a, a, a tech company headquartered in Beijing. And that means a lot of our, our meetings are in the evening. So um, a lot of our teammates or managers or engineering counterparts are there. So we have really, really late nights. Like it is it is a big thing. Um, work culture is a little bit intense. Oh, I would say anyone who's like worked at TikTok knows we don't have the best reputation for work-life balance. But um, TikTok is like an absurdly huge, like rapidly growing group or company. And and we just hit a billion users. So that is a it, like probably the fat, I think we are the fastest social media company to hit a billion users. So that is like a huge success. And um, what led myself to decide joining in the first place? Well, I was at Facebook at the time and I was on Facebook groups and events and was like pretty happy there, but I really wanted to expand my scope and do things that are like at the cutting edge of the industry. And then I actually had an opportunity to join a Facebook marketplace under the VP of product Deb Blue, who was like asking me to join. And um, I was also recruited to TikTok at the same time. So I think ultimately I really wanted to join a company and be in a space that was doing something that the rest of the industry had been doing, like from a product perspective. So I took that, took that jump over and yeah, was able to work within trust and safety at TikTok. And then, so my impact really has been focusing on um, bullying harassment. Actually, I've been in the social space for quite some time. And honestly, it has dramatically changed. And a lot of the reasons why I've like hopped to several different companies or like, I guess, product surfaces is that I've seen the way that people treat each other online. And I just wish that there was a better place for people to express themselves and like not be attacked so brutally. So I think that 
doing being the product lead for bullying harassment was extremely meaningful. Um, I, I was really glad to like dive into like the users and uh, meet different creators who are from different backgrounds, like they're either BIPOC or LGBTQ plus, or from different types of marginalized groups, and they had a voice to share. And I was able to receive all that and make all those, I guess, make all their feedback really actionable. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. And it's really cool to hear that you got to work on a more human aspect in terms of like tech. You got to work in like bullying and like being able to support people and support youth. And I think that's really cool. If you don't mind me asking, um, what are you looking kind of to pivot your career towards? Because you said that you're, I think you're planning on leaving TikTok. So what are you kind of interested in, you know, shifting your career towards? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was it was a, a big decision for me because like I didn't I really wanted to stay. I really like my scope within TikTok and there's so many different departments that I was open to and would potentially transfer into. Um, but I, I think that oh, and also I, I was pretty close to my leadership team, but I think that ultimately I wanted to be at a place where we focused on people development and career development. And I think like TikTok was just, is just so busy, honestly, that everyone is in execution mode. They just like have to go and get things done. And that is really cool. But I think I was like really missing the people development aspect of my career. And I couldn't really find that at this stage of the company. And maybe in the future, there will be more of that. But um, TikTok is pretty heads down executing on some of the biggest initiatives. Uh, so I think when I move over to my new opportunity, I just really want to focus more on like the people aspect of my life. I feel like I've been grinding for so many years and, um, you know, everyone that is like successful and you, they go on podcasts and they're like, oh, what, what got you through your day to day? And they're always like, it's the people. And I'm like, I get it, but I'm not quite there yet. I'm just, I just never, um, you know, I've had those moments in my career, but I, I don't think I really focused on that as much as I should be. And I'm at the age in my life where like grinding is just not that attractive of a thing to do. <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to slow down a little bit and focus on like the people, the creative aspects, the other desires, the other like dreams and aspirations that I have in my personal life and hope to have more balance. Hmm more power to you honestly that sounds amazing and you know we're just so excited for you to find that and hopefully find a new next career um so regarding your your current position even in past positions before what would you say that your biggest challenge has been in like working in these fields and like how did you kind of tackle that and what motivates you to keep going I've had a lot of challenges, to be honest, and I think it depends on what stage of my life slash career or what my goal was at the time. Um, I think the one that I kind of struggle with the most is like being an Asian woman in tech and being an Asian woman that looks the way I do and sounds the way I do. Basically, I, I'm pretty casual and I'm also um, pretty expressive and then I'm very much high energy at work. And that all translates to you're really junior and you're really young and you you're not leadership material. And I think that as I, uh, as I, as I elevate my career, it has been increasingly more difficult for me to, I don't know, just like mm, be treated or be respected in the, the meeting room, I guess. 
Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always experienced this. It's been, it's been really tough. Like many times when I first started my career, when I was in like biz dev back in the day, I would go to a bunch of meetings in LA with like different Hollywood agencies and like talent managers and studio groups. And then I would be mistaken as the assistant most of the time when I was in fact, the senior manager doing the deal with them, or I would, they would ask me like inappropriate questions about like, my age or whether I've married or whether I have kids or like whether, mm, whether I just graduated and it was, it's, it, it doesn't feel comfortable. Like when you're there to do business and you're just like the focus is on you as a, as a person in like, not the right ways. (laughs) Yeah. I think that was definitely challenging. Um, in terms of how I was tackling it, honestly, it's something that myself and like a couple of my girlfriends who are similar, we we're all, it's something that we're constantly working on. And I think there's a couple of things that we do, you know, externally show up to things on time, be professional, don't give anyone a reason to look down on you. Um, like prepare, you know, put, put like a mature makeup on, or even dress more maturely and speak in a lower tone sometimes. And so I think all of, most of us have tried to do these external things, but I think that the shift happens that I'm also currently working on that I've heard is when you're able to um, build out your internal power, like regain that power inside of you and realize that you are, you are so worthy to be in that room and you just like bring that inner confidence out. Yeah. So I think I'm working on reclaiming that. And like, I guess, projecting that in the workplace and it's, it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah. I'm sorry you have to go through that. And I hope all goes well in the future. Um, moving on to our next question, um, on top of your main job, you're also a YouTuber. Um, Kelly and I watched some of your, um, videos and I, we think that your editing is super nice. Um, your from your uh, thumbnails to the music you add to the graphics, it's it's all very clean. And like, as someone who edits videos as well, I um, I know it takes like a lot a lot of time and dedication to make each project look nice. And so we were wondering if running a channel ever feels like extra work for you, and why do you do the um, what you do. Um, yeah, I've, I've always wanted to, to start a YouTube channel since uh, for like the last 10 years. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I think that's always just been on my mind, but I never really had the guts to do it or I just never, I just always gave myself excuses like, Oh, I have school, I have work, I'm busy. I have like relationship issues. I have to move. I don't know. So then I think it was only when the pandemic happened and I was like staying at home and I moved out to my own place and like, I didn't have roommates that would, I don't know, judge me or make me feel uncomfortable within my own home when I'm like working on a piece of art or a video or like a song. That was when I truly started building out my like first YouTube videos. And I, I honestly just always wanted to do it. Yeah. That that's like pretty much it. I I love the video creation process. I, I like, I like everything about it. I've always done stuff behind the scenes. I've been a videographer for like other channels before and I've been an apprentice for like another creator long, long ago. And so uh, I, I'm just glad I finally gave myself the headspace and the physical space to do it. Mm, I think that it is a lot of work. It is much more work than people realize going in because it's 
it's, um, you have to do it so regularly, the push out content, like every week, every two weeks. And like, I honestly just don't have time many times. Um, and I have to balance it out. And if it, it's only worth it, if I can like put a minimum threshold amount of time into it, but yeah, I, I feel like as I transition my career and like, am able to set more boundaries or better boundaries that serve me, my professional life, my creative life, and my personal life, I do want it to be more of an integral part of my everyday. Yeah, I think it's super cool that you're making these videos. I love like the variety in your channel as well, like how you do like lifestyle vlogs, but also have sit down videos where um, you share tips and advice about your line of work and job, like job interviews and stuff. And um, so if you love doing it and it's not too much of a burden to you, I think uh, I would love for you to continue creating content if, if possible, because your content's really cool. Oh, thank you. Yes, I'm working on another video right now. I like went on a hiatus for like a month, which is like really long in YouTube terms. But um, yeah, I'm getting back into it. Life on honestly just came at me and I am getting back into it. Stay tuned. Yes. <laughs> we can't wait to see it. <laughs> I feel like you're just hearing your story and hearing you talk. It felt really relatable to me and I'm sure like with Caroline and maybe our other listeners as well. Because I felt like um, for me, when I started like this podcast, I also made that excuse a lot of I don't have time or I have like this obligation or just like all these excuses that kind of stopped me from actually going with the idea. But then when the pandemic actually hit and I kind of had time to sit down and reflect on why I wanted to start this podcast and why I wanted to be able to um, meet people and get to hear their stories and like just, you know, show educational content about like what's happening in the world it kind of gave me that like spark to say like it's kind of now or another if I don't do it now it's never going to happen and that's kind of what happened I just reached out to Carolyn and um, a couple of other people and we started it and I guess we're here today <laughs> yeah, so, yeah congrats yeah that first step is always so hard but you guys are doing it thank you <laughs> and yeah as Carolyn was saying earlier we did watch your videos and we noticed that you tie a lot of your culture identity to your videos and even though the media has kind of stopped reporting so much of the anti-Asian hate crimes it doesn't mean it's not happening it doesn't mean it's still a pressing issue and as someone who um, correct me if I'm wrong but as someone who is a Taiwanese American how do you think your relationship with your culture has changed since the hate crime started growing and what do you think our listeners should kind of take away from your story? Um, I don't think my perspective has really changed. I think I've always been super in tune or super in love with my cultural roots. Yeah, I love being Taiwanese American, Taiwan number one. <laughs> and uh, I, I, you know, I was like that kid in high school that was in JTASA, and then in college, I think ETASA, and then was like in the local in the collegiate TASAs. Like I, I loved it. I went back to Taiwan. I did like a camp there. I did a camp in LA as well. And I've always like kind of dreamed to be on, I don't know, Miss, Miss Taiwanese America or you know what I mean? Those like funny pageants where you're, the girls are up there and they're like, I love karaoke and boba and I play piano. <laughs> like, like I feel that I'm just as dumb as and silly as it sounds. I just love my culture. Um, I love Taiwan. I actually lived in Taiwan for uh, a good part of the beginning of half of this year. And a ton of people from at least California and some in New York flew over to live and escape the pandemic in Taipei. And like, we had this whole group chat and they're called, we're all called Taipei expats. And like, we just created this new community. It was awesome. 
Um, so uh, throughout that time, I think I've got really freaked out seeing so many, so much of the news. And then I put together an Asian American resources guide on like how to get educated and um, some things that you can do and some things to learn. And then I put it in a Google doc and then I shared that with my company as well as shared it on my LinkedIn. And that kind of went LinkedIn viral, like semi LinkedIn viral. I think it garnered over like 300,000 views or something, all people in tech. And I've had a ton of people reach out to me and email me, message me. I could not keep up. Um, and they were sharing it with their own networks and their own companies and their own ERGs or employee resource groups, which is like basically clubs at companies. So um, I thought that I honestly didn't think anything would happen out of it. I was really glad that it was a, a like a toolkit that people could use when they didn't know how to start the conversation. And then because of that, I was able to speak with like a lot of different types of people. Um, I was able to speak in like a clubhouse room. Uh, with Mayuko anyway, who's also a tech content creator. And I spoke with Asian Hustle Network. And then I spoke with uh, one of my previous professors who is now a managing director at Google. And he has like this whole team that's very non-Asian. Like they, there's not a lot of Asians in, in this team and I was able to speak there at, at um, uh, I think like a virtual fireside chat. So that was really neat to, I guess, like, push my voice out there. And moving forward, it has only become more of a, it became, it was a, like a nice to have, like something that I would love to be able to embrace my identity around, but now it's more of a need to have, especially when it comes to like my professional life. So uh, I think a lot of the, I, you know, interviews that I had been a part of, or every single time there's a new opportunity that comes up, like in my LinkedIn or someone wants to reach out for a job, one of the biggest questions I do ask is how does your company intentionally promote or encourage or foster a healthy atmosphere or like a culture for, for your BIPOC and woman talent? And if, if they're able to, if they're not able to give me a, a good answer, then I know that this is an afterthought. And usually I, I hear really not, not super great answers. And that has become a hard criteria for me. Yeah. So I think, um, I, th I think that the shift really has been this, I, I gave a lot of excuses to all the, my previous like employers or people who have treated me inappropriately because I just thought, oh, you know, this is not a big deal, but then it really is. And, um, it's not okay. And I can, I'm now fortunately in a position where I can be picky about who I who I spend my professional time with. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And, I'm, and I think I remember coming across that LinkedIn post that you shared actually. And I think that was how um, I actually found out about you and your content. But, oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And just, I'm, first of all, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. And you have to, you always have to like start and ask like if this, if BIPOC, you know, if diversity matters to your company, because I feel like that should be already be a given and maybe this is just me being a naive college freshman or whatever but I just feel like um as our generation as the younger generation um is getting more aware of this and even through TikTok like taking in the media and being able to apply what they're learning to the world and actually step out there and not be afraid to speak up I think that is going to make a bigger difference in the future and hopefully shift the company narrative that diversity isn't just an afterthought. It's something that absolutely should be 
at the front and ha having representation, having just representation of, you know, BIPOC people, women isn't enough. It's actually using that representation in action. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. Yeah, it's, and then once you, once you both, I don't know, figure out which industry that you want to be part of and start working in the workforce, uh, there's a lot of very disappointing things that will happen with regards to the cultural identity space. It's, it's not, it's not great. Thank you for the heads up though. I don't know if I mentioned, but I'm going to be in school in LA too. So a lot of what you're saying is really, I'm trying to like keep it in my mind. So when I actually go to college there. Yeah. Yeah. I, best of luck. I feel like in college days, everyone is pretty, or depending on which college, I guess, but um, at least on the West coast, it's pretty progressive and very inclusive or like people are really adamant about like voicing their opinions. And they really like that. Yeah. I'm so excited for that. All right, that wraps up our interview with Chloe. Thank you so much again, Chloe, for coming. Uh, we know you're a busy gal, so we're super grateful to have you today. Uh, we'll be linking all her socials down in the uh, description down below if you guys want to check her out. And yeah, also, if you're interested in what we do and want to better understand what we're about, please check out all of our socials. All ads are at Voice to Culture. If you like this episode, please also give us a review or like and subscribe. And be sure to hit the bell icon for notifications every time we upload. Um, that is it. We'll be back soon with another episode. And please stay safe and healthy. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Hop to the love.